0: question. Who's your favorite superhero? Superman? Batman? Brett Farb? Oh, no. I think a Green Bay fan got a hold of my notes here. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about uh, superheroes, and here's a picture of, of them, the next slide's a picture of them, some of the famous ones. You know what the, the problem with superheroes is? that they all have a flaw, like Superman had kryptonite, right? He had the weakness. But there's another flaw that you may not have thought about of superheroes. They all get old. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) I would have never seen those two get together like that. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, uh, Anyway. You know, we're moving through the Bible and eat this book, and uh, it's kind of hard. I'd like to have these messages all sync with where you're reading, and we're just starting to kind of read through the book of Joshua, and now we're in the book of Judges this weekend, uh, but, but we're trying to do it in a way so you were, we're close, but this is good because we'll plow this ground before you get there, and it'll, hopefully it'll be helpful for you. Um, If joshua is the book of victory where the people of israel go in and take the promised land Then judges is a book of defeat (laughs) It's not a good book. I mean you're going to read judges and you're going to go Is there anyone good here in this book? And the answer is no not so much not so much the people of israel in the book of judges are now occupying the land the the promised land that god promised abraham but he told them, drive out the Canaanites because if you don't, they're going to influence you in a very negative way. They're very wicked, and they are going to morally corrupt you and influence you. And they did. In fact, this is what it says in Judges chapter 2 and verse 11. If you want to look, follow along in your chair Bible, page 189, it says this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. (laughs) So there you have it. There you have it. You know, it's interesting, as you read the book of uh, Judges, there's a pattern that you'll see very quickly that shows up. You'll see, uh, it's, it's called the cycle in the book of Judges, and it's really a downward, it's like it's a picture of water going down a drain, because it's, it's a downward cycle. And um, it, it goes like this. The people of Israel sin. They are oppressed by their captors, their, the people around them. They repent. God raises up a, de- a deliverer, and they, are, they find peace. And then the cycle starts all over again. And you'll see that downward cycle uh, all over. But here's the point. The judges get worse and worse as the book goes along. They get more corrupted. Uh, even, And the people get more corrupted as the book gets longer, uh, gets towards the end. Now, when I w- use the word judges, you may think of, of the person who has a robe and sits behind... Um, A desk uh, and has a gavel that's not what we're talking about the judges that we're talking about were really saviors they were deliverers they were military warriors and they would be raised up to bring military peace to the people of israel Uh, and they were very regional at this point it wasn't like they were over the whole nation but there were regions so some of these judges would have probably functioned in similar time periods But in the book of Judges, we have 12 judges that are named. As I said before, there are no heroes in the book of Judges. There are no heroes at all. Um, Because here's the problem. You may have heard a message on judges, uh, on one of the judges, and you thought, like, for instance, Samson, we're going to look at Samson tonight. And you may have heard people say, okay, we need to be like Samson, but just not as bad as him, but be good like him and strong like him, strong in the Lord type of a thing. That's not what Judges is, is trying to bring us. There are no heroes. The only people that we see in Judges are people who need for forgiveness. You see, we're not supposed to walk from walk, take out of the book of Judges and say, I need to be like this Judge Samson, but without his flaws. <laughs> no, that's not really the message. Judges, really what it's supposed to do is point us to our desperate need of a perfect judge. Of a perfect deliverer who is going to come and deliver us and save us. Because that's what we need. We all need to be rescued. Uh, one who has no flaws. One who is strong. One who is sent from God. Th- this judge is to set us up to say, isn't there someone out there that can be that ultimate deliverer? Now let's, uh, this weekend we're going to look at uh, Samson. Probably one of the more famous judges, though I like Ehud. If you want to read about the Ehud, that's kind a gross story. Um, but I like it. Um, Samson was um, obviously very strong. He was a playboy. He was a sex addict. He was emotionally immature. He was reckless. He was violent uh, to, a, violent, uh, to a, uh, a remarkable degree. But he was also a Nazarite. Now, the Nazarites took a vow, and their vows contained three aspects. Number one, they never got their hair cut. They never drank alcohol. And the last one was they weren't supposed to touch dead bodies. Well, in Samson's case, he got his hair cut. He drank a lot. And he was touching dead bodies just about every day. I mean, he was touching I mean, did it? Did it, did it. Broke it, broke it, broke it. I mean, he, if, there was a, if there was a Nazarite vow to break, he broke it. So this is Samson. He was a man of incredible strength, but he was morally weak and spiritually blind. He was selfish and immature. He was, essentially, he was a perfect picture or product of his culture. His culture molded him, and that's who he was. But here's the amazing thing. God took this guy... And used him, still used him in spite of himself to deliver his people. That's the amazing thing of God. He could take even somebody like Samson and use him for his glory and for his good, which is amazing. Now, let me give you probably the key passage of the whole book of Judges. And it's really, it's towards the end of the book, and it's Judges chapter 21, verse 25. And if you look at uh, page 207 on your chair Bible, you'll find that. And it's, this is what it says. And, and this is, boy, if this doesn't describe our American culture today, this really does. Look, notice what it says. In those days, there was no king in Israel. That part doesn't describe us. But notice what it says. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. How many times have you heard that? I mean, that's held up in American society. Just do what's right for you. Whatever your heart directs you to do, do you know, I've just got to do what's right for me, right? How many this exactly what they're saying. Now it's interesting, this is towards the end of the book of Judges, and when we come to Samuel, first and second Samuel, what we're gonna see is it says they had no king. Well in first and second Samuel we're gonna see they're gonna get a king. he's going to be a whole so so israel is going to get this leader and they're going to get this king so judges is kind of that transition book between joshua or between yeah between joshua and samuel where the people really don't have a leader and they're going to get one uh, and we'll see that in samuel now judges shows us the incredible flawedness of human beings it shows us how we can so negative, we can be so negatively influenced by our culture. But it also shows us how the incredible grace of our God, that God works in the lives of messed up and flawed people. He did it then, and he still does it today. So there's hope for us. Uh, now... This isn't an excuse that we say, okay, I'm living in a world that culturally is challenging and, and it is influencing me, so therefore I have no sway. I can't say no and, and it's just I just have to follow the culture. No, it's not an excuse to live like the world around you. It's not an excuse to live immoral or to live selfishly or without any thought of God. Uh, but here's the point. If you see your need and if you call upon the Lord, a, a couple of great things will happen. Number one, He'll humble you. I think one of the biggest things that we need in our lives is to be humbled by God for him to break us down get us on our knees and say I need your help I'm, I'm lost without you and that's what we need I think more than anything but not only will he humble you he'll he'll accept you he'll love you beyond your wildest dreams and that's what God offers us flawed people but humbled and accepted and loved Here's the big idea I want you to take away this weekend from this uh, book of Judges There's only one there's only one hero worthy of our worship And of course the answer is jesus christ There's only one hero worthy of our worship and it's jesus christ And I want to say three things about jesus christ our hero number one Jesus is the champion we all desire everybody wants a hero I mean jimmy olson and lois lane they had superman gotham had batman um in in our text we're catching the very end of samson's life and and we're going to jump into this text at the end of his life and we're going to try to compare samson because there's some interesting parallels between his life really his end and jesus and we're going to see some of those parallels but in our text here's what's happening samson is at the very end of his life he's lived for himself he's squandered his strength and his opportunities He's been bound and blinded. He actually had his eyes poked out by the Philistines. He's been brought to the middle of the temple, and people brought him in for entertainment entertainment, to mock him, to make fun of him, to ridicule him. And they tie him to a post in the middle of the temple. And that's where our text picks up. And it's on page 202 of your chair Bible. This is what it says. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and, uh, perf- uh, and he performed for them. When they stood him along the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the, put me where I can feel the pillars supp- that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign God, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might. And down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. And thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Now, a couple observations I want to make from this. Number one, you don't have to think that Samson had these bulging muscles. His strength came from God. It was very strong. The other thing is, who designed this temple? Really, two pillars and the whole thing comes down? All right, that's... wasn't in my notes, but it just occurred to me. Um, all right, so here's what I want you to see. It's kind of interesting how it, when you and this you see the decline of the Book of Judges and how it's just getting bad. The the people of Israel at the beginning of the book are really fighting against the Philistines. They're, they're these corrupt people around them. And at the beginning of the book, you see everyone's going to war. So when Othniel, one of the first judges, he's able to rally the whole nation together to fight. But then later on, Gideon, he's down to 300 people. And then we come to Samson, who's what? He's an army of one. (laughs) He's an army of one. And Judges shows us that God can save a nation through one man. That's essentially what's going on here. Remember when David fought Goliath? And what happened? The the whole nation received the victory because of one boy who won the victory. And uh, so uh, God doesn't need 300. He only needs one champion. And we know who that champion is. It's Jesus. And here's the parallels, kind of interesting parallels between Samson and Jesus. Samson, his arrest and death was the result of his disobedience. It really was. Jesus' arrest and death was the result of his faithfulness and obedience. He obeyed his Father in heaven, and it resulted in his arrest and execution. Samson was securely uh, secured to the post by bands. Uh, he was mocked by the crowd, and he died as a champion for the nation of Israel. Jesus was nailed to the cross, with, uh, and he was mocked by the crowd and died as our champion. When Jesus rose from the dead, he broke the bonds of sin and death. So that's the first thing. Secondly, Jesus is the forgiver we all need. Now, by the time of Samson, and that's Judges chapter 14 through 16, the Israelites were so accommodated to the Philistines. They had so bought into their culture that they were comfortable in their pagan culture. They were so comfortable at this point that instead of having Samson out there to fight their wars and to to bring the Philistines away, you know, defeat them, the Philistines come to take Samson. And they, instead of, you know, Samson, come on, let's fight, let's, they they go, okay, hold on, we'll get him for you. You know, how bad is that when your own people say, we'll we'll go and get, we'll get him for you. They are... Here's what's going on. They have become so ingrained. The culture has become so ingrained into them, and they want to live at peace in this pagan culture, picking up this, these pagan things and worship these pagan gods. They say, you know what? Samson, all you're doing is bringing us, like, it's just bringing us a lot of frustration, and, and they're, they're all over us. So if we get you out of here, we can live at peace. So they actually are going to turn him over, their own judge, over to the enemy. And This is kind of how that plays out. And this is on page 201 of your chair Bible. This is uh, chapter 15, verse 9 of Judges. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out uh, near Leah. The men of Judah asked, Why have you come to fight us? We've come to take Samson, prisoner, they answered, 'to, to do to him as he did to us. And by the way, that's a theme that goes on with Samson. They do something to him, he retaliates. They retaliate, he retaliates. So it's just back and forth retaliation is what it comes down to. But it goes on. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? Hmm. That's not the way God wanted it to be. When, why, what have you done to us? And he answered, I merely did to them, notice, what they did to me. Has your child ever said that to you? (laughs) I only did what they did to me, you know. Uh, They said to him, we've come to tie you up and to hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. Now, one of the things you're going to see in Samson... In the life of Samson, is he's forever being tied up. <laughs> he's getting tied up, and he—he's like an escape artist, you know. But it, that happens over and over, and you have to read through the story, and you'll see how that plays out. But there's some interesting parallels between Samson and Jesus. Samson and Jesus were both rejected and handed over by their own people to the Gentiles. <laughs> Jesus was handed over by the, the the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the Jews, and they handed them over to the Romans. To the, to be crucified. They, they were both bound, brutalized, and mocked. Samson, gave, It's interesting. Samson gave his life. He gave his last, last breath for revenge. What were his last words? Oh God, please strengthen me just once more and let me get one more blow, uh, get, get, get one blow, get revenge on the Philistines. What? For what reason? For your glory? To set the people of Israel free? No. It says, for my two eyes, I just want to get them back for what they did to me. Now, on the other hand, Jesus gave his life. He gave his last breath for forgiveness. What were his last words? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You see, Jesus forgave instead of seeking revenge. and He was innocent. He didn't, have, he didn't deserve anything that he got samson was was out for himself looking for revenge jesus was out for us seeking to set his people setting us free his passion jesus passion was our redemption you see god delivered his people through samson's suffering and death and god delivered us by jesus suffering death and resurrection now jesus in 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 his resurrection broke the bonds of sin and death um And and that brings up another point that we need to talk about for a moment. We're not saved by his strength. It's interesting. We're saved by his weakness. We're saved by his death. We're saved saved by his seemingly failure on the cross. Uh, He gained our forgiveness. Jesus used their rejection for our deliverance. He took their evil and turned it into our good. And that's an amazing thing. You know, I was thinking about this. On the cross, it's very interesting. On the cross, Jesus kept the two great commands. What are the two great commands? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, right? And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what did he do on the cross? Well, Jesus loved God with all his heart, mind, and soul. Well, how did he show that? By willingly giving his life or his father how did he love his neighbor as himself well he gave his life for us what does the bible say greater love is no one than this than what he laid down his life for his friends so he kept the two great commands when he died on the cross for us here's the third thing that we learned from Jesus he is the savior we must all seek now Samson had a weakness and it was women oh yeah he was a drinker too and, yeah, he, he enjoyed getting into fights. And, yeah, he was violent, selfish, disobedient to his parents. But he kind of had a special weakness for women. And I want to talk about that for a little bit, just for a moment. Samson had a need for women. and Delilah was the, the one that, you know, Samson's strength was physical and external. And it wasn't spiritual and inward. He wasn't inwardly strong. He was inwardly weak. And what he did was he looked to women, especially this last one, Delilah, to bring meaning and significance into his life, to bring purpose into his life. He didn't have a deep faith. He didn't have a a relationship with God. So he looked everywhere else, as we often do, to fill that that God-shaped void that only God can fill. was not much different than we are. Samson had that emptiness, that void, and he looked to women to try to fill that void. And it it was this emptiness that he sought to fill apart from God that ultimately brought him down. In fact, there was a point where I think Samson really believed that he was strong in and of himself. I mean, when they cut his hair and Delilah said, they're upon you you know, when you get your hair cut and you're pretty much bald, would you notice that? Yeah, I kind of would notice that pretty quick, especially if my hair was bringing me my strength, that would be pretty apparent. But Samson is probably bald at this time. And she says, the Philistines are here. They're upon you. And he jumps up like he had all the other times. He must have known he was bald, but he still thought he was strong. What is going on here? Samson thought his strength was in and of himself he didn't realize it was god giving him strength he didn't realize that god had left him you see you don't know that somebody's left you if you've not been with them right if you're not spending time with somebody you don't even notice when they're not around and so samson had spent a life not with god but trying to fill that empty void you know we're like samson in many ways because we all look for these god substitutes and you know, the thing that's, that's true of all the God substitutes is they all fail. Every one of them fails. You know, whether it's a relationship. You know, some of us say, well, if I could just have that relationship with that person, then my life will be full. My, 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 I'll have purpose. I'll have meaning. I'll feel loved. I'll, I'll feel safe, secure, all that stuff. And you know what? To a certain extent, you will. But in the end, it will fail you because nobody can, can live up to that. Or a career, you say. Well, if I should just accomplish, have these career, this career, and accomplish this, or or if I could live at this economic level, if I could have these these possessions, these things, then I would feel good about who I am, and I would prove to people. Look at, I drive a good car. I must be smart. I must be intelligent. You have to, you know. It, 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 or you may say. uh it's a hobby or some other distraction. But you, what you have done is you've said, this thing is what defines me. As And you say, well, how do I know if I have that in my life? Very simply this. If it's threatened or if it's taken away, your life will fall apart. You'll, it'll, 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 it'll begin to destroy you. You'll, you'll say, oh, no, I can't live without that. I can't live without her. I can't live without that. What am I going to do? It's the end of the world. And when your life goes that way, you have, what you've done is you've just found there's something there that has become really, really too important in your life. It's become an idol. You know, we look at these people and say, oh, they worshipped idols. And you, we don't worship idols. Oh, yes, we do. We worship at the idol relationship, or the idol success or the idol possessions, whatever it is. We have idols, folks. We have idols just like they did. See, none of these things. will ever be able to take the place in our heart, because see, the place in our heart is reserved only for God, only for God. And the pursuit of the substitute will be our downfall. Now, in my opinion, Samson, towards the end of his life, learned this lesson Um. His strength was not, I think the lesson he learned finally was the strength that I had wasn't mine, it was God. That's why he goes to God at the end and says, God, I'm powerless without you, I need your help. Now, again, he still hasn't figured out that, that you know, revenge isn't necessarily the best way to use it, but he finally learned that the presence of the Lord was his strength. And um, what he had thought was his, his own strength, really, he, he realized it wasn't. Uh, Samson prayed in chapter 16 verse 28 he says oh sovereign lord remember me oh please strengthen me just one more time we know he did it so I can get revenge and that but Samson begin it's interesting because there's such a turnaround in Samson's life he begins as a strong man who is revealed to be morally weak and inwardly weak but in the, he ends as a weak man who has never been stronger I don't want to say he's he's good at the end. He's really not good at the end, and that's the whole point of judges. You can't really go there and find heroes. Now, what's the comparison to Jesus? Both Samson and Jesus died, but in their death, uh, in their death, they brought uh, Jesus, and they both brought life and freedom. Samson, though, he was brought out to be mocked as, as and he was led around. Now he's blind and helpless. In verse 25, the onlookers of the temple were probably mocking him. They were probably uh, calling out, making catcalls, um, probably saying, "Well, you're so strong, huh? Well, you're not so strong now, are you? What do you think they were saying to Jesus when the onlookers? Oh, you're the king of the Jews, are you? Well, listen, why don't you do something, king of the Jews? You mean it's the same You know, same thing. Um, it's interesting." Samson pushed the support pillars down and we're told that uh, most of the spectators were killed. 3,000 people were killed. He brought freedom to Israel by dying for them. God delivered us. Jesus delivered us through the death of his son. And Jesus brings freedom to us through his death and resurrection. And so, through the victorious defeat of one, Savior Jesus and that's why Jesus died. Jesus died so that you could live, so you could be set free. And so what, you, what should you take from the book of Judges? Understand that these people are flawed. And really what Judges is describing is what happens when people who are supposed to be people of God get so enmeshed in their culture, forget about God and go their own way? Well, nothing good happens, that's for sure. But the, the good news is that when we turn to the ultimate judge, and we know who he is now, we know who the ultimate judge is. We know who the ultimate deliverer is. We know who the ultimate savior is when we turn to him. And we, we, we understand that our power, our sustenance, our, our, our purpose, our meaning, our, 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 our significance, uh, our security, everything comes from him. When we turn to him, then our life begins to turn around and our life begins to change. And we're humbled. We look to the cross and we say, I didn't do anything to earn my salvation. It's a gift. It's, it's not something I, could, I deserved. It's not something I earned. And that's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is this. Jesus became weak to become strong. And that's how it must be with us. You know, um, uh, only those who admit that they are unrighteous can gain his righteousness. If you think you're good enough, then you don't need a Savior. You have to come to a point and say, I'm unrighteous. I'm lost. I'll never measure up. And then you're ready for the Savior who will give you his righteousness. And that's how we live the Christian life too. Only those who know their life and strength is solely dependent upon His grace can truly find joy, peace, hope, forgiveness, and purpose. You know, what I think we do is we begin the Christian life many times by grace, but then we try to live it by works. And we think it's all on me. And we don't realize that we not only come into the life. By grace, but we live life by grace. We understand that He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that gives us the ability. He's the one that provides for us, and we look to Him. You see, this book of Judges, you'll see as you read through it, it shows what it's like for God's people to live in a corrupted culture, in in a pluralistic, morally relativistic, culture, where people say, I'm just going to decide for myself what's right and wrong. And that's what we hail in this culture. And what Judges says is, no, there's a God in heaven, and he's the one that has to direct your life. He's the ultimate deliverer. He's the ultimate judge. He's the ultimate one. And when you look to him, you'll find life and forgiveness and peace and joy and purpose And everything else that goes with it. That's the message of Judges. It points us to the ultimate deliverer. and says, every human deliverer will fail you. But there is one who through his failure, seeming failure, brought us victory. What an amazing story. What an amazing parallel. So don't leave here and try to be like Samson. Don't do that identify with his weaknesses humble yourself allow yourself to see your need of god allow it to look to him in wonder and amazement that he would be so gracious to you but don't hold samson up or any of the other judges up as a hero there's only one person worthy to be our hero and it is jesus christ our lord would you be stand with me and let's pray together Our Father in heaven, truly Jesus is our hero, our judge, our deliverer. He delivered or delivers us from sin and death. He gives us life. And he gives us life, Father, through his own defeat, through his own humility, through his own death. And Father, thank you for the picture that we've seen of Jesus and how he is different father it's difficult to live in this world that is corrupted that is uh, going its own way that it basically pays no mind to you at all and it's easy for us to get caught up in its current to become corrupted father help us to live in this world as jesus said to be in the world and not of it and that's a fine line and a hard line to walk sometimes. Show us through your Spirit ways that we may have just become corrupted in our beliefs, in our thoughts or our actions. Show us, Father. If there's anyone here tonight, Father, and this weekend at one of the campuses, if they're, if they're seeking to try to Justify themselves. May they understand there is a Savior that has already come, a deliverer who's already won, somebody who is righteous, who paid the price for our unrighteousness. May they call upon the Lord and find life, forgiveness, and freedom. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you that you love love us. People who are flawed who are corrupted, who are unrighteous. And yet we're loved, we're forgiven. Thank you. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.